Hey, welcome to Live from America podcast. This is Hatem, along with um, Noam Dorman, the owner of the legendary comedy cellar. Uh, <laughs> it's always legendary. Don't roll your eyes. The best comedy club in the world. What else do you want from life? He's amazing. And we'll be opening soon, I hope. Doesn't look like it, but go ahead. A couple of weeks. And <laughs> I we, don't have, know. <laughs> we have three lovely ladies joining us. Um, a friend of the show, Christy Monroe, the stripper comedian. She is a nationally touring, headlining comedian and author. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, and Alaska Gaylor, um, she is a nationally touring, award-winning showgirl. She I, think it's gal- I think it's galore. Oh, is it galore? I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Galore. <laughs> Alaska galore. English yeah. is not his first language. So. <laughs> it's my, it's my, it's my fifth. I'm um, amazed he knew what Alaska was. So go ahead. Oh, you want to start now? Okay, I'll get you. <laughs> I'll get you in a minute. Uh, she headlines a strip club all over the country, and she hosts her own show, The State of Alaska. And Valley is here. Uh, is that what you want? Uh, Valley, right? What's that? What's yeah, uh, yeah. What's your handle? Valentini. Valentini. Okay. And uh, uh, she is an artist, singer, songwriter, and she headlines strip club all over the city as well. She's advocate for sex work uh, workers. Um, she has a single coming out soon uh, called The Blue Moon. Norm is a musician as well. Very good one, too. Mm-hmm. He owned Cafe Wa for a while. I don't know if you know Cafe Wa. Cafe Wa? Cafe Wa. In Manhattan. I'd rather, be an, I'd rather be an advocate for sex workers. <laughs> well, that's all we're doing right now. Well, welcome, ladies. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Well, we want to we wanna get to know uh, the industry a little bit more. And advocate for sex workers because the norm wants to do um so um first what kind of what, what different types of sex workers are there anybody can answer if you want um okay well first off i don't define myself as a sex worker because i don't have sex for work mm-hmm. and it's a really controversial opinion in the strip club industry um okay. a, a lot of girls will argue that girls who dis- who disguise themselves as strippers but are actually prostitutes um are strippers and that's not true they've crossed a line that is a line that i would never cross okay um i have to disagree i think that there are many levels to sex work and just because you don't have sex for money that doesn't mean that you're not a sex worker that just being a sex worker is just being part of the sex industry i believe that strippers are sex workers dominatrix cam girls porn stars, sugar babies, even if they're not doing anything with their clients, that they are sex workers. I consider myself sex worker. But, uh, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody cares, but, but yeah. So, uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, well, agreed. yeah but I mean, well, I mean, the, first of all, I got, you got to bear with me because I have a really bad case of poison ivy and I'm actually really in pain. Um, oh. Boys uh, and I would be a good name for, for, for my sex working name. Anyway, um, I, I think that um, I think that uh, it, it's I, I think I'm on Christie's side of this kind of only because um, there is there is some bright line. I guess it doesn't matter. There is some seems to me as a as a you know as a guy there is some bright line between a woman who just dances and a woman who actually you know engages in in sexual contact with you. I I understand it's 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 all sexual work, but um, you know the, the the actual sex workers, 
they seem to have a whole um well the people who who actually have sex and for a living they they have a whole other world and universe of threats and problems i think that um i like a, i, I think that works in a pretty reputable club doesn't really have to worry I, about right? i disagree with you i don't think their problem is people misunderstanding what sex work means. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's in the industry. Like being like, it's like a playboy. Like they don't have, they have soft porn, right? So it's not like, they still like uh, sex workers. I think, I think there's nothing wrong with it. I think no. people understand sex work. Oh, nothing wrong with it. I guess, I guess if, if you're, a, I mean, you guys, I don't want to talk because you guys saw, but I, I guess it's just a thing. Like if you're a stripper and all you really do is dance, nobody touches you, nobody does anything. And then you get called a sex worker and people assume, oh, she's a prostitute. So you feel like you always have, no, yeah, I'm a sex worker, but I'm not that. I'm not that. And so, so you're probably fatiguing to always have to correct that impression. I think that it's like certain tiers to sex work, like full service sex work, which is prostitution. And it is not legal in the U.S. But I think that because there is such stigma with that word, a lot of girls are in denial about what it truly is. And because they don't want to see themselves as prostitutes, that's why they don't want to be called sex workers. It's not but that I don't want to see myself as a prostitute, it's that I'm not a prostitute. That's the difference. Alaska, where are you standing all this? I mean, I'm just trying to get my rent paid for getting naked. <laughs> <laughs> you can call me whatever you want, as long as you call me, girl, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> At the end of the day, that's all I'm trying to do. So, so it's crazy that some strip clubs are open. Like, yeah. did you guys, do you guys work during the corona the last couple of weeks? Yes. yes. No. So yeah. in, Flor in Florida, you're in Florida, right, Christy? Yeah, but county by county, it's different. So all the okay. clubs in Miami and Broward County are closed. Uh -huh. um, but I've been driving eight hours round trip each way to work at a club in Daytona Beach. So, so how is that going now with, the, with all the corona thing? Like, it's, it must be weird. Um, so just a couple of days ago, they had changed the rules that people, they're not allowed to sell alcohol anymore. And um, I had worked for three weeks before, like, so corona was going on, but people were still getting drunk and it was fine. Like there was nothing weird about it. And then last Saturday I worked and everyone was sober and it was very weird. Um, I am very, very persuasive and I'm very good at getting men to do like multiple dances. Like almost every guy that I get back there will do five to 10 dances with me. And so, um, on Saturday night, each guy who was sober, who like, I couldn't sway, they got one dance. Like <laughs> it was bad. Oh, damn. But there's no regulation. You have to wear a mask. You have to be obviously no. Um, so they did, they haven't been regulating that, but I've been choosing to wear a mask and I'm actually pretty much, there's maybe like one other girl that I saw wearing a mask. Um, nobody else is really doing it. I wash my hands every 15 minutes. I'm very conscious of what's going on. Big risk. I, I just, 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 there, there must be some like mask themed, g-strings going around now right like, they have to exist like <laughs> not yet but oh my god that's such a natural uh theme for anyway um aren't you risk aren't you worried about getting sick um i'm very worried about it but also my car payment is due so um 
you know, I kind of have no choice. I applied for um, unemployment benefits because independent contractors qualify and my application has been pending for seven weeks now. Um, I've tried to call the unemployment office. Like I've done everything I can do. And throughout this quarantine, I had a good sum of money saved up that I intended to use to create a TV show. And, um, you know, for the first couple months, I used that money that I had worked really hard to save. So I'm kind of like, at this point, the options are strip or be homeless. Oh. You can't get unemployment, the, the, the $1,100 a week that everybody's getting? I applied for it seven weeks ago. And when I go on the website, it just says that it's pending. And then I try to call the unemployment office and, you know, no one The good thing is it's going to come eventually. Like, it just takes time. Yeah, I'm told that eventually I'll get like a $5,000 payout or something. Yeah, I'm like, probably, okay, that's yeah. not going to help some, when I'm of, back to work. Yeah, some of my Crazy. friends got like that. Alaska, you said you have some... Uh, funny corona stories skipping corona stories yeah it's it's been a wild time for me um i do something a little bit different than maybe your typical stripper in the sense that um i'm a feature entertainer so i travel the country touring from strip club to strip club so every weekend it's a different city a different state that i'm in um so that's been pretty unique and interesting just as i've continued my travels across the country during this pandemic um, seeing how the different counties and different states are reacting to the virus. I was in Huntsville, Alabama, um, and nobody was really wearing a mask. There were no regulations on social distancing. Um, whereas this weekend I will be featuring in Orlando and you have to wear a mask. Um, everybody will be social distanced um, and they're taking it much more seriously. So it's been interesting to see kind of how different states are reacting to it and it's definitely led to some pretty crazy stories. But in, inside the strip clubs, no one is wearing masks anyway, right? Um, I choose to, um, as I continue my work, um, each one of my shows has like a different theme to it. So I have a different mask for every show to match my outfit and my costume. Such a girl. <laughs> <laughs> It has matching. Valley, what about you? You, you, uh, are you worried about going back uh, eventually? Um, Jeff, I mean, I, I was planning on retiring from stripping. I've been stripping for a bit, a few years in New York. And before the whole COVID thing happened, I was already planning on retiring and just moving on to doing full music, uh, full time. So when when this happened, it, just, it was kind of like, in a way, it was kind of like a weird timing. So mm. yeah, I plan on not going back and I'm taking it very seriously. I'm staying with my parents. So I, I wouldn't want to like pass it on to them. So I'm, I'm yeah, I'm not going back. So good. And that, and that was, be, be, has nothing to do with the Corona. That was the, your decision before. It was my decision before, but if it, if I hadn't chosen to go back, if I hadn't chosen to retire, I don't know if I would go back, especially in New York, because the club, I mean, the situation there is a lot worse than a lot of places, and there's a lot more people. At the clubs, there's a lot more traveling men, so it's, um, I don't think I would have gone. Maybe it's none of my business, so you definitely don't have to answer, but do your parents know that you strip? Yes, they do. How, how do they react to that? 
they're very supportive. They say they're very Christian too. So it was a surprise to me that they were so kind to me about it. They were, they were just like, you're our daughter and we love you no matter what. So it was a good thing for me to come out to them and be like, this is what I do. So it well, felt that's actually, that's actually a, a true Christian reaction, right? You would think like, you know, actually not judging and being, <laughs> being kind. That's not the way. Yeah. That's not the way we think of it. But um, that's yeah. that to me is like the nicest part of Christianity. Are you, are you trying to? This is the second show in the row that you talk about Christianity. Like, are you trying to convert or something? No. <laughs> well, we talked about it last week. You know, we, it may not be relevant to this, but all this kind of cancel culture that goes around and people being very judgmental online or whatever it is, and it struck me that, you know, the nicest parts of Christianity, which are, to me. Um, he was not sin casting the first, not casting the first stone, being judgmental and being forgiving are two things which are really not uh, very um, in very high regard these days in terms of our public attitudes about things. So we really don't forgive anybody for anything, even something they did 20 years ago, right? Yeah. And we, we um, unless everybody on Twitter is like really never committed a sin it doesn't seem like people who are reluctant to cast the first stone even when they've sinned so that's nice that your parents are like that you know i i heard that every like from i don't know what i would do if my daughter came home i might not i might not i'm, I'm jewish so you will love your daughter <laughs> she'd be in big to, trouble <laughs> you see if my daughter she's not just gonna come home no i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> I, I would i would love my daughter no matter what i know i know is, is there a profile of a of a daughter that does this kind of work? Is it need that? I think, I think we talked about that last time when Christy was on. Yeah. She, you had a rough background. Uh, yeah, I, I did, but that's not necessarily true. Like it's girls from every religion, every race, every walk of life. There's girls that grew up rich. There's girls that grew up dirt poor. There's girls that were molested. There's girls that have never been molested in their lives. There's girls that have drug problems. There's girls that are straight edge. So it's everyone. I, I heard that everyone have a, a story about how they come out to their parents. Uh, Alaska, did you tell your parents? Uh, Do you know? No. no. Uh, none of my biological family know that I work in this industry, um, okay. which is kind of shocking because I've been uh, in this industry for five years and this is my first mm. year as a feature entertainer. Um, so now that I'm kind of getting more notoriety, uh, now that I've been on the cover of a few magazines, I'm sure they will find out eventually. Um, but my biological family is not super in my life these days. So, um, you know, I kind of rely on my industry family. Like, I have a lot of great uh, family within the industry. Like, a lot of my strip club DJs are like family to me. A lot of my house moms are like family to me. A lot of my fellow dancers become my family. So I've actually found my family through working in the strip club industry. And, um, you know, we, we always say like what hashtag one industry, like we really mean it. And, um, you know, even though I don't have my biological family support, I definitely do feel supported by people who are in the industry with me. You think you, think you guys are less or more likely to be sexually harassed by an employer than like the average hot waitress working at a, a diner somewhere? Less. 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 Really? Yeah, I, I had a lot of my friends saying that the manager of strip clubs, uh, you know, is very abusive usually. Like if you don't um, go with him, you know, he can not schedule you for a good shifts or stuff <clears> like that. Is that true? 
No. Um, a lot of what's happened in the last couple of years is that dancers started to take back their rights. And um, one of the, it's illegal for clubs to schedule us for shifts. As an independent contractor, we show up when we want, we leave when we want. And um, so the, the class action lawsuits that go on all over the country that are constantly happening, um, they've definitely... But, but you, you, you personally, about a year ago or something, you posted a couple of things about problems with managers and uh, that they, they don't want you to dance because, and you know your legal rights, yet, yet there was a problem. Yeah, so um, I've been the leader of three of those class, class action lawsuits, and um, each time it was because they tried to put me on a schedule, and I'm not going to let that happen. So um, one of them settled for $6.6 million, one of them settled for $2.6 million. Um, I didn't get that full amount, it was a class action suit, but uh, unfortunately in this world, money is one of the only ways to really hurt corporations and they're feeling it and I've seen a big shift um, I've been stripping for seven years and I've seen the girls take back a lot of power but yeah. I'll say in the same breath so I just got done writing um, a second book and my new book is called A Sale of Two Titties <laughs> and it's about the 20 craziest things that I've ever seen while stripping and um, there are a couple of and so each story, I drew a picture, and the pictures are really funny. Um, but and, the, uh, and this is her second book, by the way. Yeah, this but, is my second book. Um, and so some of the stories are about how certain managers manipulate the younger, more impressionable girls or the girls who are illegal immigrants or whatever they've got going on into prostitution. Um, and... I'm in school now, I'm gonna become a human rights lawyer. And um, one of the things that I hope to do is change the laws of how strip clubs have to operate because uh, I work in the only zero prostitution club in Miami. And um, I have personally with my own eyes witnessed how quickly the industry will go downhill if um, everyone is left to their own devices and the managers can manipulate the girls and the girls feel like they have no other option. Like diamond dolls in Pompano beach. I've watched girls give $10 hand jobs on the floor and $50 blow jobs in the back because they turn themselves into a commodity. And then the commodity just gets watered down and watered down because when you put a price on your body, you know, if, one girl wants to charge $100 for a blowjob and the next girl's going to charge 50, then guess what? All the girls are charging 50. So, um, that, the, I, I don't, I don't think it's always the managers. I think some girls want to do it, you know? Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, 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 it is what it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying there's so many different facets. There's so many different reasons why girls do it. Some girls choose to do it. Some girls have master's degrees and choose to do it. Some girls have, a heroin problem and choose to do it. Like, I'm not saying that it's any one situation or anything. Um, but I am saying that that's one of the things that I've seen is the managers to manipulate some of the uh, mentally weaker girls into doing it. Yeah. Valley, go ahead. You wanted to say something. Um, I feel like the whole scheduling dancers that that is happening in New York. I don't know when that lawsuit happens, but, um, there are certain clubs in New York City where they do schedule dancers and they have a requirement of certain amount of hours that they have to work. I think it's like eight hours or something in certain clubs that I've worked at. 
So I don't know when that lawsuit happened. There's been numerous lawsuits all over the country. You could start one right now if a club is doing it to you. I'm yeah. telling you now, you're going you're gonna to walk away with around $25,000. The club is going to get sued for somewhere between like $2 million and $6 million. I don't know what the numbers are. You'd have to talk to a labor law violations lawyer. Um, but I've done it three times already. And all three wow. times, it worked out well for me. Do they, I, well, a couple of things. So, so first of all, once they know that you've done that, they probably uh, don't they not want to let you come work there? Uh, I mean, the specific clubs that I've sued, I, I wouldn't go back to work at. But um, I've been pretty welcome with open arms. Like if a club is treating the girls right, then they don't have anything to worry about. And I don't want to work at the clubs that are abusing the girls. Right. But isn't, isn't it the case that I so for people who don't really understand. So the reason that they um, can't schedule you is because if they schedule you, then they're supposed to withhold taxes from you and treat um, you like an, then you're eligible for all the rights and obligations of an actual employee, a, a W2 employee. Yes, correct. And, and you want to say 1099. But in a lot of these relationships, um, uh, both, both sides are motivated to not want to become W-2. And sometimes it might be, I believe, the, the dancer is even more, would, would so much more prefer not to have taxes withheld, be able to not have to declare her tips, to keep everything under the table. Mm-hmm that I feel like it almost, it's a little bit, un, I mean, I, it could be actually unfair to the owner of the club because like, it, it, what does he really care if he schedules you and withholds taxes? Like it, in, in many situations, it's the dancer who more so want, like, like I, I own a comedy club. Yeah. Um, my comedians don't want to be W2. I, I couldn't care less if they were W2, right? Well, now, now with the Obamacare, maybe there's some reason I, Want to avoid yeah. that, but but uh, um, normally I wouldn't care. But they don't want they don't want all their ta- they don't want to deal with all that. So I think that the reason that the clubs don't want to do it is because it's it happens not often often but somewhat often that um, the girls get hurt at work and then they have to pay for workman's comp. Um, like I've seen girls fall off the pole, break their arm, you know, like whatever happens. That's um, Actually, maybe that's up. No, the work paying workman's comp. I mean, it, I mean, it's part of running a business. I'm sure they have to do it anyway because they have bartenders and waitresses and yeah. busboys. And I mean, it's not like they don't pay workman's comp. It would be more workman's comp, but yeah, um, it's an interesting thing. The, the whole that whole aspect of labor law of between 10.99 and W2 is is very uh, murky, and and it's it, in any given situation, it's not really clear who's the one making getting over on the other one. You know, there's so many situations where it's the employee. <laughs> who fights tooth and nail to not be considered W-2. I've had that situation, well, it was really with musicians, where I was dying to have them W-2. Yeah. And it was just very, and they were working, it wasn't like comedians, they were working for me five days a week. They weren't working anywhere else. They were clearly employees, and they would not be W-2, you know? Not, so, not even not even your band? I'm talking about my band. I mean, I would insist on it, but I'm saying it was it was me who was insisting on it. They never wanted it, you know? Uh-huh. Um, so can I get back to something before? Um, and so I joked that about my daughter being a stripper and I, and I didn't mean to be insulting, but I, but I am curious um, as if you guys were moms, how would you feel about it? If you're, would, would it be something like my father was a musician and he always told me he didn't want me to be a musician because that he didn't, 
there was an aspect of that life which he just didn't want me to have to face. How do you guys feel about your, if you had a daughter, if she wanted to go into the, the stripping business? I feel like I would respect whatever choice she wants to make about what she wants to do with her body. Right. And I would support her and not condone her for it because actually that becomes more problematic in the parent-child relationship when you don't accept what your children do. So I think I'd be completely okay with it. You, would you, would you, if she asked you for your opinion, you would say either way it's fine or? I'd give her tips and I'd tell her all my insight and how not how to make the most out of it. So, Alaska, you agree? I mean, I'm, 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 hold, hold, listen, sometimes you ask, you ask a blunt question and I, it can be insulting, but I don't want to insult anybody. I, I, I just, you know, I'm a, I have a daughter and my mind goes to the things that I don't know about, you know, and, and I, so I wonder about these things. And why, why is that, why is it that your mind goes there? I don't know, be, because well, I guess I never spent that much time thinking about it. There, there is a reflex that you have that maybe is bigoted, you know, that um, well, I wouldn't want my daughter, well, you know, as, as a guy and knowing other guys and knowing how they treat strippers and knowing the, the, um, the, the way that physical force is, is, is hinted at and toyed with and, and the way women are pressured to do stuff and the, the times that I've seen um, strippers angry, you know, with guys who went too far, whatever it is, that, that, that whole aspect of the world is, you know, naturally something you become protective about in your mind towards not just your daughter, but to, to anybody, I guess. But in, in this world, it, it's, it's, it's daughters who, who go through that. So I don't know if that makes me good or bad or wrong or it's, or it's naive or ignorant. You know, that's just sincerely what goes through my head. That's why I'm asking about it. Yeah, it would be over, it would be over my actual dead body before I ever let my daughter do this. Why is that? Um, because I am going to give her everything that I didn't have and she's going to have every opportunity and I will protect her fiercely and I'm going to build her to be confident and strong. And, um, but you, one said, of, you, you said yourself that not everybody had bad childhood become a stripper. Some people have mess, some people, you know, so it's, it's not really about having a bad life. That no, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's not. It's not. Um, I, I would just say, you know, like I think about my, I have a 17 year old goddaughter who is the most beautiful girl in the entire world. Like physically, just she could be on the cover of Maxim magazine. She's so beautiful. And um, knowing what I know about the dark corners of the industry and um, about all the facets. I wouldn't let her do it and I would strip until I melted off the stage and give her every dime that I had to make sure she never had to go through it. And it's not just like what the customers can do, but the fa I'm 31 years old. My knees are killing me. <laughs> My body is physically broken. I'm 31 years old and I should not be feeling like this. You know, I, it's equivalent to like questioning would you let your child play in the nfl knowing the extremely high rate of um brain injuries except except it's not up to you to just let him play in the nfl you have to be actually no but, but in other words you would pursue their boxing is even even more clear example i mean you know they they, they all they all get uh concussions and 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 parkinson's whatever but um so that's a whole nother reason i hadn't even thought about that so I mean, maybe, every, every job have, 
you know, something physical demanding, like if you athlete, if you whatever, you know, something well, is going to happen. It, it, it's interesting that, that Valentina, you know, advocates for sex workers, leaving aside the issue of whether sex workers should be called, uh, strippers should be called sex workers for the sake of argument, let's call them sex workers. They do need advocates, right? They do need uh, work, work safety um, rules and that are, that are unique to them. And they do need um, to be protected maybe more than any other employees because um, yeah. they're vulnerable. Is there Absolutely. a union? And I think a lot, I mean, I think a lot of the problem that is with the whole, the bad side of stripping is, is the culture and how there is a stigma to the culture, how, oh, strippers are bad, so I can do whatever I want to her. And, and that's how men are, it's, it's not each individual man's fault, but it's society's fault for creating and for raising men that are led to think that way, that they can treat a girl that way. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's the whole point. Like, it's not, it's not your fault as a man specifically, but it's like, it's the way that society is, you know? And is, there, is there a union or no for dancers? And you there, know? People have tried to start them, um, but nothing that's been particularly but, successful. But you can't you can, you can, you can join like um, actors or something like that, like as a performer? So like I said, they like girls have tried to start unions, um, yeah. but it's just never been organized well enough. And um, I think that a large issue is the varying laws and culture state to state. So like you're not going to have the same experience dance, dancing in Detroit that you're going to have in Miami. So yeah. like as far as a national union, um, it's it's a vastly different it's i'm not saying it's impossible but it hasn't been successful alaska i want to ask you because you 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 tour internationally too and the laws for strip clubs is different from one to one right like yeah you know every every club you walk into has their own different rules whether it's fully nude or topless or bikini bar or they serve alcohol or they don't serve alcohol um so you kind of have to adjust to whatever city and state you're walking into and that being said, sometimes traveling across the country as a single young woman can be really scary. It's long drives, it's long flights. Um, but I always know that when I get to the club, I'm safe. Um, and I'm surrounded by family and I'm surrounded by people who support me. And I can honestly say that um, I think it's really easy to sensationalize the strip club industry. I think it's really easy to villainize uh, strip club owners and strip club managers just from what people hear in the media and what people kind of portray in movies and TV. Um, that's not the experience that I've had. Um, I've watched managers take bullets for girls, literally. Um, I've watched owner club owners like hold girls in their arms while they cry. Um, I've watched strip club owners say, okay, we have a girl who's working for us and she's on heroin. We're not going to fire her. We're just going to help her get into NA um, classes and groups. And I've watched strip club managers go to NA groups with girls and actually get girls in the industry off of heroin. Um, and even now with the coronavirus, a lot of girls are out of work. It's a hard time financially for everyone. I've watched club owners continue to pay their staff's salary despite the fact that it's a financially hard time for all of us. Um, and I've watched club owners hand out gift cards so that girls could still have money to eat and feed their kids. Um, Jerry Westland in particular, the, only, the owner of the Pony Clubs, um, has been giving out gift cards to his girls so that he's making sure that their families are okay during this time. 
Um, so I haven't seen kind of that like darker side that the media likes to portray of strip club owners and, and uh, managers kind of like being these dark shady villains who take advantage of girls. Like I've seen them really empower and uplift us in this industry. So, you know, if I had a daughter and I don't have any kids, but if I did one day um, and she wanted to be a stripper, I would support her because this industry has changed my life. It saved my life. Um, it's put me through college. It's gotten me a nice apartment. It's gotten me a car. Um, and sex work is the only industry in which a woman will make more than her male counterpart. Um, I think it's an incredibly empowering experience. Um, so if I had a daughter and she wanted to be a stripper, I would be like a soccer mom. <laughs> I would be like sewing her costumes and like in the club, like, no, run it again. Wrong choreography <laughs> while she's up on stage. And I would like, oh, if that girl is like me and you like spitting her drink, like I would be in the club, like, like hus making my daughter hustle. Like I'd be really proud of her if she wanted to be a stripper and that would be her choice. And like, obviously, you know, it's, it's helped me a lot in my life and it's been a very positive experience for me. So I just want to note that like strip club owners and managers, not all of them are evil. A lot of them are very kind. So this is so interesting because we're each seeing it through the prism of our own psychology, right? So, so those of you who've had positive experience with, with this, you, you feel more comfortable about your children doing it. Those of you who had negative experiences, like I don't want my daughter anywhere near it. From my point of view, I'm thinking like this is an industry which is designed to make money by tickling the most primitive aspects of um, – of a man's nature, you know, the sexual urge. People do the most reckless things when it comes to sex. Uh, people betray their country. The quickest way to get somebody to betray their country is by tempting them with sex. And then you also ply them full of alcohol. So this whole industry, like, we're gonna make money by, by just bringing out the part of a man that the, the other 23 hours of the day, like he's just fighting to control, to keep a family together, to keep a business together. Like, and we're just gonna get him drunk and get them, you know, sexually charged, and then and then see see what bad decisions we can get him to make, and also and then hopefully control his. And we want to we want to get him to get carried away, but we want to make sure it's just carried away enough so we can make a lot of money from him without putting anybody in jeopardy, whatever it is. So that's that's what, what I see it because you know I'm I've been in strip clubs. I'm that guy, you know, who and you take the drinks on purpose because you. You want to you want to lose those inhibitions, and you want to cut loose, and and you're hoping that the stripper will go as as far as you can you can get her to go, right? So um, it's just an ugly not ugly it's a it's a it's a mysterious part of life. It's it's, a, it's a, 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 a deep thing. dark mysterious part of human nature that but everybody perceives in a different way. What's that? The, the other thing is like. Uh, I think it's a stage in your life. It's not a career, you know, so there's nothing going to happen later on. You know, well, it's, it's a good way to make money. Limited. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, mean, so, so I, I disagree. I disagree, I disagree completely. What, what would you do later? I think stripping is a career. You can, yeah. it can be a career for, if you want it to be your career, it can be. It could be like a temporary thing to get you by, to get you through college, or in my case, help me fund my music and my art. But there are girls who see it as a career, and they're extremely good at it. They make more than a brain surgeon. I know they age out. We 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 don't define career by how much you make. You no, know? no. Right. But don't they don't they age out after like forty five? No, 
I know a girl, I know a girl in Key West. She's, she, I mean, this was four years ago, four years ago, she was 56 years old. She had been stripping since she was 18 years old and she owns six multi-million dollar houses in Key West that were all paid for by stripping, being smart with her money, building her credit. Like she built herself an empire by stripping. But again, again, we're not, I'm not defining career by money. You know, you can go no, to no. central. You find career by devoting essentially your work, your working life to it. To one exactly. Thing. Yeah, that's what she's saying. It's well, a reputable a girl, career. But a lot of girls, once they're done dancing, they may, um, you know, retire as a house mom and still be in the industry, or they may become a manager themselves, or even a club owner themselves. So, just because you're not participating as an entertainer per se, you can still be in the industry and still run a full lifelong career in the adult entertainment industry it's, it's kind of like a, being an athlete you can be a coach you can be a manager like i understand that part but i'm talking about dancing itself you know at so, some point let, let's no. let's can, can we oh, go ahead i don't want i want to go ahead Sorry, the, that woman that i know that 56 year old woman she still dances and she looks amazing like you would never know well you just you just said a woman you know it's not like it's not everybody yeah. you know there's many she, women like that many many women like that in every strip club there's always like the older girls and there is a demographic for those girls there's guys who want the older girls especially the young guys you know now that valentina what what the um uh, what about so you you do advocacy for not just strippers but for other sex workers too correct yeah so what what are the, what are the issues and, and obviously you think prostitution should be legal right um yeah, I think, I mean, I think that women should be able to do whatever they want with their bodies and it should not be restricted by any laws. Like if you want to do whatever you want, then do it. Why should the government tell you that you can or cannot do who you can and cannot sleep with? Yeah, I mean, so, they, they, they say you have a right to, you know, to, uh, you know, extinguish a fetus because it's your own body. Well, if you can do that, you should definitely be able to have sex for money, right? It's all about it's all about money. The government just wants your money, and if they can't keep track of it, of course they're not gonna like it. Yeah, they can't tax it. Yeah, you know, you know. Go ahead, no. What? So, what are the what are the issues that um are most daunting for for prostitutes? Safety, absolutely. Safety. Yeah, safety. Yeah. You know, you, you can know. Get assaulted, and then you're the one who ends up getting in trouble. You know, and. Uh, I don't know if you've been to San Tropez. It's like um, there's a lot of girls that work, you know, for money and stuff like that. And it's and it's it's high end. So it's like I think it's three to five thousand euros, you know, for a night. And I was talking to one of them. She's like, I feel like I was so dumb not doing this for a long time, you know, that I just started because you know it's my body. I can do whatever I want. You know, I choose my client. You know, um, they ha they have to give me respect. You know in order to do what I do, you know, and, um, and I'm making great money. So I, I think women should do whatever they want. Yeah. All right. So that, that's three to 5,000. But when I was a kid, when I used to drive home, it's not there anymore. I would drive home down Houston street and there would be women selling, you know, mostly probably seem like uh, dr drug addicts, but um, poor women selling blowjobs by the side of the road for $15. Um, and fine too. That's fine. Women should be able to charge whatever they want, as long as literal. Or there was something sad about that to me. That I mean, it, it's similar to any. I'm, I mean, 
it just seemed like it just seemed like these these people were were in a bad situation of course Okay. Um, wow. No. Okay. The reason that we have laws is because we need to protect the weakest and most vulnerable members of our society. And while there are some outliers of women that could strip forever, or sorry, prostitute themselves forever, and they've made that choice, and that's what they want to do, I would say that the majority of women who prostitute themselves have something about them, whether it's an intellectual intellectual disability, whether it's trauma from their past, whether it's a drug problem, like whatever their situation is. I'm not saying that that's everyone. I'm saying that the women who happen to have a PhD and choose to prostitute, which there are some, are definitely the outlier. So um, the concept that you should be allowed to do whatever you want to do with your body is stupid. And the reason that Uh. it's stupid is because if that's true, everybody should be allowed to drive 200 miles an hour down the highway. Everybody should be allowed to do whatever they want to do. But we have laws in place to protect the weakest so, so most vulnerable you, members. You're saying that people should control your own body with laws? Definitely. Yes. I think that the reason that we have laws is to protect the weak and vulnerable. So if and, we have abortion law, that's, that's okay? What oh, about the slavery was law? I'm, I'm super, super anti-abortion. I don't... We just put that on the table. No, no. Uh, but, uh, but listen, driving 200 miles an hour is largely because you're a threat to other people. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, we we let people skydive, right? And that's that's pretty dangerous. Yeah. yeah so prostituting creates a th- uh, a global health threat. How so? Uh, I I think in Amsterdam, for example, that they have certificate that they have to be help to get tested all the time you know when it's organized and it's safe environment you have to have the, the the choice to do whatever you want yeah i understand what Noam says well like when you see somebody in the street with 15 dollars that's that's sad because they don't know the value of themselves as human beings so they're doing that but we're talking about in general you know people okay. should be able to so um i am in school because i want to become a lawyer i recently wrote a paper on this so i'm just going to reference it um so uh, there's a lot of arguments for why, legal, why prostitution should be legalized. And one of them is that um, it would regulate and decrease child prostitution. The exact opposite happened in, in um, the Netherlands. So an Amsterdam-based study called Child Right found that in 1996, there were approximately 4,000 children in prostitution in the Netherlands. In 2001, that, in, that number increased to approximately 15,000. It's unclear why there's been such a drastic increase, but the normalization of purchasing human beings obviously attracts predators. If there is an increase of predators in any given location, there will likely be an increase in people looking to profit from those predators. So those those people supply trafficked and exploited children. That's one point. Um, I'm, I'm looking back in my paper for the medical thing. Um, there's, I mean, you could you could argue both sides and there could be proof to both sides. It's just, you know, like, I think that regulating it would make it safer for all sex workers and for the, for the clients as well. Yeah, so can I, t- I can tell what, what we've left out of this, I think, going, getting back to like the woman who's desperate and, you know, performing sex on the side of the road for very little money. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you compare it to um, child labor, imagine that we 
child labor was illegal, but that when somebody violated it, we arrested the child. I, I think that a big part of this is, not, is, is that the, what happens is that the, the woman who's desperate, who does this, rather than arresting the man who, who takes advantage of her situation, we arrest the woman. And that's, I think that's what's really unjust about it. And okay. so ahead. just as another layer to it, it's like, you know, we, we want to make it illegal because it's terrible what happens to these women. But then if, if they do it anyway, because they're in a desperate situation, we put them in jail and we almost never put the guy in jail. So that's really unjust. Okay, so in my paper, I address that, where I, I also believe that um, women don't need to be criminally penalized for that behavior. Legalization yeah. of prostitution protects pimps, buyers, and brothels. It does not affect public perception or acceptance of prostitutes, and it's been statistically proven that there is not a correlation between legalization and decreased instances of physical violence against prostitutes. How um, is that? But, but you, you're quoting respectfully yourself. No, what? no, she's not. No, she's how, how what was how how could that be that when it's legal that there's not less violence? Uh, I can I'll, I can send you the links for no no I mean, but how does, it, does that mean you would because I think when I perceive that it's legal well there's there's somebody there there's a security guard and there's you know there's protections and it's done in a in a in a way that's not does not be hidden so that it's safer that's not the case. Uh, no, oh sorry. Um, Go ahead. My, my, my paper is really long, and so I'm just going to paraphrase. And like, I, I have everything is cited. Do you have a link in, in case the listeners want to go to? Yeah, yeah, I can you send go? you a link. Okay. Well, I think, like, look, of course, that in countries where prostitution is legal, they're going to report the violence more than where it's illegal because the girls are afraid to report violence. That's a great point of getting arrested they're afraid of getting in trouble so yeah yeah so you know obviously no one's gonna report it yeah i think that's a good that that sounds right to me because normally when something's legal is less uh it's it's, it's safer so, um so, all right so how do you guys uh look at guys when they come in do you analyze them and know like okay this is a money guy this is not a money guy this is go Alaska. Go ahead. How'd you, do you how'd you pick your customers? Who be who would be better better tipper, me or Hatem? <laughs> I go straight to the VIP room. <laughs> you you probably will do. <laughs> no, I spend a few hundred dollars and then go to the VIP room. Oh, okay. <laughs> go ahead, Alaska. Oh, how like I well um like there's a lot of guys. How do you choose? Yeah. Like okay, this one is for the money. I'm gonna ask you all the same questions. So you can you know. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. Uh, I, I, um, I don't house dance a lot anymore, but when I do, um, definitely talk to everyone um, hmm. because you never know who's going to be that big spender or not. Um, and just, yeah, there's like three rules to stripping that I follow. Um, number one, um, talk to everyone uh, and act like every single interaction is the best thing that's ever happened to you. <laughs> Be super excited, super happy. Um, number two, there's no money in your phone or the locker room. I see a lot of girls um, just sitting on their phones on Instagram or they're in the locker room chit-chatting with their girlfriends. It's not, we're, we came to this place to make money. This is a job. You need to treat it that way. Um, and rule number three, it's not a rape. No does not mean no. 
feel free to go back to that customer, even if he said maybe later, not right now. Feel free to go back uh, again and again and keep asking for that dance. I've had guys just be like, all right, if I get a dance, will you just stop asking me? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> um, That's how yeah, I got married. <laughs> and, um, you know, I got, I've got like, you know, my little like tips and tricks of like what lines to use. I'm like, are you having a good night? Do you want to make it even better? Let's be honest about something too. There's a lot of racial and ethnic profiling that goes on in this industry on, on, the, on the half of the dancers, right? Yes. So what do you Absolutely. think about that? Um, Indian guys will never tip you, no matter no. what. They're not going to do it. Like Indian guys. I do. Yeah, I do. Um, they, are not, they are not the people who are going to give you a lot of money. They're just not. Oh, really? Okay. I, I Agree. I mean, I, do, I don't really like profile people based on their race. Like, I'll talk to anybody in the club. Um, so, no, but you're aware that it goes on. I, I don't mean, I didn't mean any individual oh, person, but yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think, I think um, you know, I think that certainly happens, but like, not every person, like, maybe is going to be that big spender. But, um, you know, if you sit down and, and just kind of approach them as a human being and try to see how their day's going, like they might end up spending money on you just because you put in that extra effort that nobody else was willing to just because they wanted to avoid that person for whatever reason. You know, you, you're the person that if I have a, a certain friend with me in the bar, he's going to leave and say, she loves me. She really likes me. <laughs> she likes who I am. You're she good. Me for me. <laughs> yeah, she likes me for me. Uh, let, let me ask you something, because a lot of my friends like that also dances and stuff, how do you make the most money? Is it based on where do you dance, the club, like scores or whatever the top clubs are, or the looks, or the hustle? The hustle. I think I think it's a combination of all three. I think you have to find the club that works for you. Mm. Um, you know, one club might work better for you than another. You have to decide, like, if you want to work fully nude, topless, alcohol, no alcohol. You kind of have to decide that. I think looks are everything. Um, putting in the extra effort to make sure you look professional and, you know, walk into the building with your hair and makeup ready, done, and uh, enter like you're approaching a job. Um, treated as such will pay off and then the hustle of course um, I think a lot of girls sometimes get bored or get lazy in the club and just kind of stay on their phone or in the locker room and get out there man like but, get but in if, the it's, game. If, it's, if it's a top club in the city you know and they charge a lot of money to get in you'll have certain clientele right um yeah sometimes I mean or you know you just really don't know um I've traveled all over the country performing my shows in different clubs and you just don't really know. And as a feature entertainer, I don't so much as hustle. I don't so much as do um, private dances. My money is made just by the stage. Um, so my stage performances um, and I'll sell private dances if somebody asks for one, but I don't go out and like hustle for them. Um, so, 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 so can you guys sell us some secret that no one knows only like, that inside information from strip club i know it really goes in the back room i mean i know but you know i just want to hear from you guys go ahead valley you start um like something, something that we don't know it doesn't have to be just the back room, like whatever really, i don't, that people I don't, don't know. know i'm pretty sure you know everything that <laughs> that <laughs> that there's no um let's see i'm trying to think i feel like a lot of the times people assume that there's like sexual activity going on in the back room but sometimes i've had guys literally treat it like a therapy session and just literally cried to me before. <laughs> like 
in tears, sobbing. I was holding. So a lot of crying happens. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel so I, I much better now. <laughs> I thought it was just me. <laughs> if you want to know what happens in the back, why don't you buy a dance? You'll find out. Yes. I've, I've been in the back, so I know. I know. I By know. the way, what, what percentage of men would you say uh, have an orgasm in an average visit of a, before they leave a strip club? Um, so the girls aren't going to answer that because they don't want to admit to being prostitutes. That doesn't make them prostitutes. That, that doesn't make, help yeah. It. If a guy just do it. I don't, you know? I don't mean like a hand job. Just, you know, just from a dance or a grinding or on your, who knows? Like, you know, however, however they manage to do it. For me, and I've never touched a penis in the entire seven years that I've been dancing, um, uh, it's happened three times. So it's not that really. Long. Yeah, come on. Nah, nah, nah. Only three times. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's relatively rare. Wow. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, so what else goes on in the in the, in the strip? Everyone else oh. is silent. One of the things that I was gonna say was um, do not, like do us a favor, do the girls a favor. Don't tip the host, don't tip the bouncer, don't tip anyone but us. Give us all the money and let us delineate out the money because um, a lot of the time, like the guys don't realize, like if you give the host $100, they still make us give the host money. So if you just give it to us in the first place, then the host is still getting a fair tip and we're getting a fair tip. So it's happened to me a couple of times that somebody didn't realize that like when you tip the host, that money goes to them and I never see it. So I've seen the host get tipped $500 and then I'm like, hey, where's my tip? And they're like, oh, I already tipped $500. I'm like, no, that money went to the host that you gave it to, you have to tip me. So, um, uh, you know, I think that just do all, I, do everyone a favor, just I, give I, 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 th money. I think if somebody tipping $100 to the host and to the bouncer, they're gonna tip everybody. Like, like they probably have money and they're gonna spend it all. But you gotta tip each person differently for a different reason. The host is gonna give you a good table. The bouncer is gonna pretend he's not seeing anything and walk away or whatever. You know, and the dancers you have to take care of. Her, of course, I think I think I think, I think the worst thing in the strip club is negotiating. That's the worst thing. Tip your DJs. I I think we all work as a team in the club. Your hostess, your bouncer, your VIP guy, your DJ, your manager. Everybody should be getting tipped. Everybody needs to make their paper. And um, I think you know, it's it's like more money for everybody in the end. And if your VIP host is having a good night, your night's probably gonna get better. If your DJ is having a good night, your night's gonna get even better. Like the more money that's going around for your team, the better. You know, I always went to a, a strip club. I wonder how the DJ feels. That's that's a good point. So <laughs> awesome. I got I gotta go. I'm, I'm I am I don't ever get poison ivy because because it is just you think it's nothing. It is the worst. My feet are on fire. Oh. It to to get my. Did you see a doctor? No, what am I, a sissy? I'm, 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 <laughs> I, I may if it continues. I mean, it just, I just can't believe this is the worst thing. I've, I just can't believe how painful this is. Uh, so, um, all right, ladies, be, be safe. I'm sorry that you have to do this job uh, with creepy men with coronavirus. Uh, I, hope, I hope there's a God so he can look out for you. Oh, um, there is one. Huh? There is one, yeah. There, there is one. one. <laughs> I hope it's not your God. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go. Bye, everybody. I know. Right, see you. Bye. So, you're all welcome at the Comedy Cellar anytime you want to come. Yay.
So you guys are all um, artists as well. We have two comedians, a musician, and 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 Christy's also. You know, uh, I'm so proud of you for doing the law thing. It's it's really it's really it's I know her for a while, and and I like when I know people, and then after a year you see how you know, how good they're doing with their career and all that, I have a good vision. So I'm musician to comedians, performers, authors. How much of stripping affect your music, for example? I know you wrote a couple of songs about being, you know, uh, dancing, right? Same thing with comedy. So uh, how, how much of that affects you? Go ahead, Val, Val let's start with you. Um, definitely stripping has inspired me so much. Um, and it's inspired my art tremendously and I couldn't thank the women at strip clubs more because I think that in a way kind of gave me a voice um so yeah it really really does inspire me even the fashion I I sometimes wear stripper dresses out because I think they're cute you know um so yeah I think there's like a whole culture even culture is like kind of um they're taking our fashion too i see like some celebrities wearing shoes that look like placers and i'm like why are you wearing that you know <laughs> but yeah i it's been a huge inspiration for me for sure alaska uh yeah comedy has uh greatly impacted the way that i dance um uh if i'm ever having a bad night you can guarantee it's gonna end up in my set <laughs> somehow um a lot of my comedy is about like crazy strip club stories that i have just crazy interactions i have with like other girls or um, customers and i've actually started incorporating it in my feature shows so now i do an act where i strip well doing stand-up comedy okay christy um so obviously my entire act is about being a stripper and um, I travel the whole country and mostly at festivals. Um, I set up my platinum stage, which is a mobile freestanding stripper pole. And then I pull audience members up and I have them participate. I give them lap dances while I tell jokes. I teach them pole tricks, but they're like obviously really bad at it and I'm really good at it. So, um, you know, like a lot of my jokes have to do with like poking fun at them, but it's always lighthearted. Like I would never be mean to anyone or anything like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I built the brand stripper comedy and, um, you know, I see it taking off and I'm really hoping that it'll get bigger and better and that I'll be able to get past at the comedy cellar (laughs) (laughs) and sell a Netflix special and, um, you know, it will happen. Just take, take your time. It's going to happen. I mean, right now it's like. It will be, listen, it will be the best day of my life. Like, you will actually... Actually, it will be the first day of the best life that you're going to have. It's, it's just the beginning, you know what I'm saying? You, you will have it. You, you, you know, you just got to keep working and you'll be fine. And, and right now, like, you know, the times, let's just hope that things go... Uh, yeah, let's hope there's comedy clubs left after this. Yeah, 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 sure. So do you guys feel like, like your art is kind of like a therapy for you as well? I think I give therapy. I think that men tell me all of their traumas and then I... No, but I'm saying if you, if you have a good, a good or bad experience, you can, you can take it out in comedy because I know especially in comedy and music, these two is like you can really share your feeling what you feel inside and just, just not necessarily a sad thing could be a good thing as well. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like the message that I get across in my comedy act is female empowerment and um, you know, owning who you are. So yeah, I talk about whatever bad things happen. And, you know, I talk about like being molested as a kid, but I make it funny. So yeah. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk about relationships. Alaska, let's start with, uh, with you. Uh, relationship, does, that, does your work affect your relationship? Like meeting someone or how they look at you or or understand that you they really see who you are um like romantic relationships or like friendships no no romantic like, relationship i mean friendship oh, is you know relationships um yeah i mean like i think dating a stripper can be challenging on your partner there's some insecurities but ultimately as long as you find somebody who's willing to love you for who you are and be proud of your job and kind of work past their insecurities, then you'll find definitely like the right person for you. It kind of makes it easier in a way to find somebody who really loves you for who you are. Cause sometimes dancing can be seen as like a negative thing. Um, so and also sometimes people can be like, want to be with you just because you strip because they think it's cool. I'm not cool uh, <laughs> at all. Uh, let's get that straight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it like a lot of guys like, oh, I want to fuck the stripper or whatever. They don't really like want to take the time to like get to know you. That's that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like once you find um, somebody, you know, who wants to get to know you and like wants you for who you are, including your job, then like I think that's great. Yeah. And Valley? Yeah, I think um, with with relationships, it's, it's hard because as a dancer, you have usually all these men giving you all these compliments and, and Kitty throwing all this money at you and come out to dinner with me. And like every time you go to at the club to, to work, you have men just like, you're so beautiful. Oh my God. And then when you go home to your partner, it's not, sometimes it's not like that. Normal guys that, you know, in relationships don't usually are throwing money. So it's, it's, um, it's a little difficult sometimes for me in my experience to not really lower my expectations, but no, like be able to tell the difference between, oh, this is like real life. And then this is the strip club. Like, of course, like my romantic partner can be doing all these gestures and like throwing money at me every day yeah could. it could happen it could happen yeah. but i wish chris christy yes good question okay um it, that's a complicated question uh so um in the strip club people see me with like they just see this beautiful blonde hair green-eyed athletic like woman and I seem so smart and I seem so positive and I'm so friendly and outgoing and um you know when I am home with like you know a romantic partner um I have narcolepsy it's like a neurological disorder where like I randomly fall asleep and 
it causes a lot of problems. Um, and so like, you know, they kind of see like the side of me that's not so glamorous and not so beautiful. And they see me when I'm sick and they see me when I'm stressed out or crying. And so um, I think that men in strip clubs have a very like idealized, like, oh, these are the perfect women, but they don't realize that at home, like we put on gray sweatpants and like there's cat hair on all our stuff. Like we're just normal people living our lives. So um, I think that like with dating, uh, I've had a hell of a time, um, you know, with dating and, and it was, it had been really hard. Men would judge me, but I'm happy to say that now for about two years, um, I have been in a long-term relationship. Um, my boyfriend is Indian and he's a doctor and he is, um, four months younger than me and he's just an amazing wonderful person he's super supportive of everything that I do um, yeah like the biggest show that I had this past year I headlined imagine EDM festival in Atlanta and he had worked a full day like you know a full week he works like 90 hours a week and then uh he got on a plane and flew up to atlanta just to be supportive of me at that huge show um and so you know with stripping per se um he is supportive in that it's what i'm doing for the time being but he knows that i'm capable of achieving everything that I want to achieve and he sees me doing it like I am a straight-A student I am crushing the comedy game I am like the book I wrote a another book called something ridiculous and every month I get a check in the mail and more and more people reach out to me and they're like that was the most inspirational book thank you for writing it like people are always saying such kind things um I'm also a volunteer guardian at litem which is a court-appointed aid a court-appointed advocate for children in foster care so I think that I'm I've been really fortunate that my boyfriend you know like we on our first date, I didn't tell him I was a stripper. Second date, I told him I was a stripper. And a lot of guys would take that information and, and be like, well, I'm gonna just have sex with her and then that's it. But my boyfriend got to know me and sees all the other incredible aspects of me in addition to the parts of me that are a complete mess, the narcolepsy and mm -hmm. like whatever else is wrong with me. So um, I've been really, really lucky, I think. That's good. Have you guys ever dated a customer? No. Yes. Uh, no. Yeah. How do you? Uh, yes. Because because I mean, most people date in their environment, you know. And if you're there a lot, you might as well. You will find some because there's there's some good guys that go there. And it's just like the point is like Christy said. It's like if they see you, it doesn't matter where you met, right? Mm. You can meet yeah. uh, whenever, whatever. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, guys, thank you so much. That was great. And uh, I, wanna, I want you all to share your information and anything coming, um, coming out that you'd like to promote. Uh, let's start with Alaska. Hello, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Um, thank you, Christy, for inviting me to be a part of this. Um, you can find me on all my social media at Alaska Galore, um, and you can find me on OnlyFans at Alaska Galore. My upcoming bookings, I will be at The Pony in Starkville, Mississippi, um, July 25th through the 28th. 
and I will also be at the Gentlemen's Club Expo in Las Vegas in October at Planet Hollywood. All right, Valley. Um, so um, it was really nice meeting all of you, despite some of the different points of view. I still see all strippers as sisters and as family. And you guys can follow me as Valley Latini. And you guys can find my music on Spotify or iTunes. Um, same, same name, Valley Latini. And I have a single coming out uh, in August. So if you follow me on Spotify, you'll get notified. Christy? Um, my social media is all stripper comedy. And my website is strippercomedy.com. Um, YouTube, stripper comedy. Instagram, stripper comedy. Facebook, stripper comedy. <laughs> Twitter, Thong Therapist. Uh, uh, <laughs> and when, when is your book coming up? Or not yet? Um, my, my new book should be out in the next three weeks. Um, my first book, Something Ridiculous by Christy Monroe, is for sale on Amazon now. And, and before we go, I just, what's the OnlyFans? It seems like everybody has OnlyFans. What is OnlyFans? It's just like private pictures? Is that it? Um, I don't do OnlyFans. No, I'm, I'm, I'm asking that, uh, Alaska. Oh, yeah, I have OnlyFans. Um, it's just a platform so you can engage with your fans from across the world. So not everybody can make it to see my shows in the club, but I can yeah. record videos of my shows and upload it to the website so they can still see my shows. Because um, a lot of people, especially during the pandemic now, is doing OnlyFans. You know, maybe it's a good way to... to yeah. Uh, well, yeah. well, I think it's a great platform for girls. It kind of makes you the CEO of your own business and you kind of run your own strip club through the website. Um, so I think it's a great platform as well as another website called Loyal Fans, which is gaining more traction now. Um, you know, you can private message with customers. They can send you tips. They can request custom content from you. Um, it's just a great way for me to stay in touch with my fans who want kind of that more personalized experience with me outside of the club. And I can do it from the comfort of my own living room during this uh, pandemic time. All right. And you guys, um, for the listeners, I'm doing OnlyFans as well, if you want to follow me. <laughs> oh, well, <yeah. laughs> uh, well, this is Live from America podcast. And guys, when you're in New York, Chris, you in New York when you come back, Valley and all. We gotta go to the comedy cellar when all this opens and get a drink together. Okay? Yeah, yeah, we'll be there. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much and have a great one. Okay. Thank, thank you. Stay safe. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye. Bye.